thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, thanks for tuning in again for another episode. Very happy to have you here. And this week, I'm more than excited to share with you this episode. It really had me engaged the whole time, sitting on the edge of my seat. Uh, a wonderful guest, and uh, it was really an honor to have Kirsten share her wisdom. Kirsten Baus is a clinical and forensic psychologist with 20 years' experience in her profession. She is the owner of Life Resolution Psychology Practices in Morley and Wembley in Western Australia, and also the creator of The Conscious Mother. Kirsten's areas of interest include perinatal mental health, parenting, trauma, family breakdown, and relationships. Kirsten has also authored The Conscious Mother, a simple guide to mothering with self-awareness, authenticity, confidence, and connectedness. Her program, Hashtag Motherhood Online, will be launched in September 2016, and she's already preparing her first mother's retreat. Both programs will help mothers prepare for and navigate the journey of motherhood with self-awareness and confidence. And get this, Kirsten is also a mother of four children. I don't know how she does it, but she definitely does it. And she rocked this episode. Very happy to have you here again, as I mentioned, and uh, enjoy and share, share alike. Good morning, Kirsten. So happy to have you on the show. I've already told the listeners all about you, but could you please share a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I guess given that I'm talking on um, Mum's the Word, I'll begin with letting you know that I'm a mum of four. Um, I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old. Um, and one of those um, poppets in the mix is actually a foster child. So my husband and I are foster parents as well. Um, so family is clearly very important to me. Me and I'm also extremely busy uh, being mum. Um, separate to that, I'm a clinical and forensic psychologist and I run two private practices in Perth where I have a team of eight other psychologists that work with me across those two practices and we actually collectively deal with pretty much anything that you would see in a psychology practice. Um, so again, that means we work with children, adolescents and adults. We work with individuals, couples and families. Amazing. Amazing. Four kids. I didn't know that. I'd love to hear, um, the path to what you're doing now and really where, where that came in, in terms of motherhood, was it beforehand or afterhand and, and just really hear, um, about the work that you're doing. Sure. Um, look, I've, I reckon I've been really fortunate in my career. I've had a really interesting career. I've been a psych for nearly 20 years now. Um, and um, I started in a really unusual place, and that is working in uh, maximum security men's prisons. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, really, really different. Um, that's the forensic part of me. So forensic, just for people, because I usually get the question, what does forensic mean? Forensic actually means any type of, I guess, psychology that is linked with a court system. So whether it's the criminal court or the family court or any of um, child protection, those areas. 
So for me, I started in a maximum security prison and as my career progressed, um, I also started working in family court, which is where I would undertake assessments um, on behalf of the court to, I guess, guide their thinking in terms of where children spent their time and where they lived and and all that kind of thing. Um, And I also worked in the courts um, in child protection. So again, looking at uh, whether parents were able to be reunified with their children if they'd had them removed from their care and if if what did they need to be able to be reunified what support and intervention did they need to be able to I guess get to the get them to the point where they were steady enough to be parents again um so I've always dealt in the pointy end of the world um but alongside it's quite um to be honest it's quite high burnout material areas um working in those particular areas so i made a really conscious decision um somewhat you know maybe a third um, into my career to also set up a private practice where I got to deal with who I would loosely call the everyday person <laughs> with everyday kind of difficulties. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy that work because um, I'm clearly dealing with people who want to actually make changes in their life. They're usually only struggling in a number of areas of their life, not in every single area of their life. Um, and therefore, for me, in terms of I guess, job satisfaction, I I get to see some people make some remarkable changes and actually go away um, really, really having benefited and and telling me how much they've benefited from therapy in some of the other areas that I work in, in terms of the forensic, um, to to feel as though you're you're doing a good job and being helpful, you have to set the benchmarks a little bit lower, I guess, um, because usually people are struggling with multiple issues um, and they themselves haven't had the best start to to their own lives when they were much younger. So for me, I like to balance um, those two areas and and I really, I'll be honest with you, it was when I was working in um, child protection and um, yes, I, I was already uh, a mother for the first time when I started working in that area and it's quite confronting um, working with women when you're going through the process of having babies yourself, knowing that the babies have been placed into foster care or their children have been placed into foster care, um, you know, it raised all sorts of mixed feelings for me. On the one hand, being very protective of their children and thinking, yes, this is the safest option for their children. On the other hand, as a mother, just feeling how gut-wrenching um, that would be to um, have your children placed into foster care because you weren't capable of, of caring for them. So, um, you know, in that role, I really started having to make sense of what we would now call and what is called, um, it's actually a legal construct um, in the courts as good enough parenting. Um and, you know, at the same time I'm doing this in my working life, I'm also becoming a mother and um, I'm really fortunate in that, I, you know, I, had a, I have a lovely family and um, any of the difficulties that I've experienced in my life have been perhaps more as an adult um, and certainly not around my, my, you know, immediate family and family of origin and things. So um, just looking at how different my life has been and, and I guess how much that's equipped me to be what I consider a good enough parent in comparison to um, these mothers that I was working with who weren't. But in amongst all that in my private practice, um, 
because of my, you know, real interest in the concept and the experience of mothering and the journey of motherhood, um, I was getting more and more referrals coming through to me from word of mouth and GPs and all those kinds of things for women who were having varying degrees of mothering difficulty, shall we say. So whether they were just thinking, you know, there's got to be more to mothering than this humdrum chaos <laughs> that um, happens or they're not feel- feeling fulfilled, they've got lots of self-doubt, right through, I guess, again, to mums who were definitely um, experiencing postnatal depression and anxiety Um And I was particularly finding mums with those diagnoses were coming to see me after their second or third child. And typically they were saying to me, you know, yes, I've got postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety and I realised I had it with my first and my second now, but I didn't know that at the time. I thought motherhood, this is what motherhood was all about. I thought it was going to, you know, it, it was supposed to be a struggle. Um, and I guess for me, that's really where my interests and passion lie is that motherhood is a whole bunch of struggle at times for sure. I, I don't want to perpetuate some kind of myth that it's a breeze because we give so much of ourselves for such a long period of time. My mum would say you give so much of yourself forever <laughs> um, once you're Mine a mum. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, of course, that, that can be really draining and it can challenge us um, in so many ways. But the flip side is that it, it actually it doesn't have to be that way every single day, every single week, every single month. And if it is, then there's things that you can do to make it differently, um, different for you. And so that's really where my my message lies is that I want to try and help uh, mothers experience motherhood less complicated than they seem to. That's not at all complicated because I think it is somewhat complicated no matter what you do, but um, just take um, the, the absolute struggle out of motherhood and, and that's really what I feel as though my um, my role is about and, and it might sound a bit um, kind of new agey or a bit out there but I, I believe that's my purpose. Apart from being a mother myself, I really feel as though my purpose is about supporting mums and helping them have the best motherhood journey that they can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, just something that you touched there as well about, you know, second-time mums realising and recognising that they maybe experienced for the first time. Maybe you could share just some, you know, signs that you see that a, a mum out there possibly struggling might be able to sort of recognise in herself to say, oh, maybe I should take action first time around, just so that, you know, the whole purpose is that we want people not to struggle, that they yeah, can maybe, sure. um, take action earlier. Yeah. Look, I think, to be honest, when from a psychological perspective, when we look at um, – diagnosis, which is something that I I have mixed feelings about because I don't like to pop people in a box by any means. I wouldn't want to be put in a box either um, with a label. But to be honest, sometimes knowing what a diagnosis is and knowing the words and and the label actually does help you understand what's been going on for you. And it certainly helps a practitioner know how to help you more clearly um, and effectively and and in what we would say is an evidence-based way. But I think the key thing that we're talking about here is change. So while um, some people who experience postnatal depression and anxiety certainly have a history of um, depression and anxiety prior to being pregnant, even thinking about having a family, and that is a risk factor, 
factor for sure. Um, that's actually not always the case. And, and I think that's a bit of a myth that, you know, you can't get postnatal depression or anxiety if you haven't got this pre-existing history. Um, so with that in mind, what people need to think about is um, how, how changed do they feel? Now, that's not changed in the sense of um, the enormous uh, I guess, emotional change um, and identity change that happens with motherhood because that happens for pretty much all of us um, and that can be a really positive thing. What I'm talking about is a change in how you see yourself, how you see the world and how you're feeling on a consistent basis. So if you've gotten from being someone, I guess, who has good days, bad days, you can put the bad days in perspective, pick yourself up the next day, and get on with things and have a genuine laugh um, in your life and feel connected to other people and more often than not feel as though you're you're a good person, you've got something to offer the world, um, then, you know, that's, that's great. But if that changes after you've had a baby and you're constantly doubting yourself, you're very critical, you're very anxious and nervous and worried and scared all the time, you feel as though you've lost your zest for life, um, you feel as though you're not the person you once were but more in a negative way, um, they're the kinds of things that you're looking out for. So the, the change in you is quite um, a a significant indicator and sometimes it can be a bit like um, can't see the wood for the trees so you may be going about being a mother not actually really consciously realizing how down you've become or how critical you've become or how anxious you've become and how consistent that is it's happening more days than it's not happening um, and often in those scenarios it's loved ones that bring that to um our attention and actually say, you know, you just you just don't seem like the person you were. And it's very easy to just kind of say, well, of course not. I'm a mother now and and that's such a big life change. And, and all of that is extremely true. But what we want to see is that becoming a mother is enriches your life, not actually detracts from it. So if, you, if it's detracting from it, that's when you can actually go and get some help. Yeah. And what would be a sort of time frame that someone would start to think um, and make a little bit of a judgment call? Because I can imagine the first three months, obviously there's so many changes and challenges and, and, and fatigue and lack of sleep has to play a role. Obviously oh, now our ability to see the world and um, I could pretty much say that would be the same for every mother I know, including yep. myself. So where yep. would be a time frame where you're seeing this to be a fair judgment call? I think um, I think it's both two things: a time frame as well as, um, I guess, the frequency um, that you're thinking or feeling this way. So, if over a three month period you are having some some really tough days, um, but you're actually having more generally okay days, then from my perspective, that typically is just an indication of all those things you mentioned: fatigue and the significant. Um, lifestyle, identity, emotional and psychological adjustment process. So you're still in the thick of it. You're still getting to know your baby. You're still working out this motherhood gig. But more often than not, over that three months period, you're feeling quite okay and you're feeling hopeful that it can be different. Mm -hmm. And then that you'll find you'll find your groove. 
But if over that same three-month period, you're at, it's the opposite. You're actually feeling really low, really self-doubting, um, really anxious, and also feeling as though you're not going to get on top of this and you've, it's almost like the, the years ahead just fill you with dread because you can't imagine anything being different, then that's definitely a clear sign. Um, hope is hope is actually it's funnily enough it's not at all in the diagnostic criteria for postnatal depression or anxiety um, but I think it's actually quite a pivotal um, sign generally you know if if you have no hope that things can be better that you can feel differently that you can feel more competent for example that you could feel less worry less anxious then um, I think personally even more broadly that's a good indicator that you need to go and get some help yeah I mean I think we all have those really down times and fatigue would be definitely mm. a big a big factor as well as um life changes you know and, and not yep. having time for yourself but I for me personally I think if you then look at your baby it all kind of goes okay it's all right you know especially when they yeah. start you know communicating a little bit more with you and smiling and okay it's not just about washing and nappies and you know feeling like the baby's on the boob all the time for example you yeah know, I think that's yeah. also maybe a gauge um yeah I'd love to hear you know really about the book and um and the work that you're doing I mean this is I'm on the edge of my seat with this this is great <laughs> Yeah, um, thanks. That's lovely. Uh, so, yes, I've written my first book and it's called The Conscious Mother. Um, and again, even that in itself has been an, an interesting process for me because I've been delivering a program called The Conscious Mother, funnily enough, for a long, long time in my individual practice. And one thing that I know works really well um kind of from a therapeutic point of view is when we do group work, when we bring groups of people together. Um, a lot of people are very nervous about that, but ultimately it's a really enriching experience and they gain things that you simply can't gain when you're working with clients one-on-one. So in delivering this program one-on-one and, and again, getting feedback from people about how useful it was for them and how it gave them a very different perspective of themselves and the kind of mum they wanted to be, um, I thought I should actually, you know, develop this so that I can run this with groups of women because when you get the right groups of women together, I think we're a bit of a force to be reckoned with. You know, I think the support that we can provide one another um, when we truly know each other's vulnerabilities but also truly respect and I guess hold those vulnerabilities very sensitively um, is really quite phenomenal and I've been parts of group processes like that and, um, you know, they've been really life-changing for me personally. Um, so when I sat down to think, okay, I want to try and, you know, I've got to make some changes to an individual program to make it fit for a group of women, um, that was my plan. I was going to sit down and do that and then I was going to start offering retreats and things. But what actually happened is I just consistently found myself writing not so much a manual or worksheets or anything, but I, I found myself writing um, this book and speaking to mums. And so, to be honest, I just thought, stuff it, I'm going to, I'm just going to roll with this process that's happening. Um, and I sat down and wrote, wrote the book, The Conscious Mother. And um, funnily enough, and this was not in any way, shape or form planned, but it, it's ended up being a nine month process. <laughs> nice. I call this my fifth child and it feels a lot like it. It's been an absolute labour of love. Um, 
And um, the book is really designed for uh, people to reflect on what's important um, for them as mothers, but taking it one step back, I guess, and, and really learning what's influenced their ideas about motherhood, what's influenced their ideas about, um, you know, what they want from their partners as fathers or um, also what they want in their relationships when they parent together, what they expect their baby's going to be like. Um, because I guess in the background is this has been, um, I guess, created by three key things. One is um, all the mums I've worked with have had an enormous um, role in shaping my thinking about what would be useful for mums. Um, the second is my own experiences um, of being a mum and then the third is definitely the research. So um, as a psychologist who's worked in this area for quite some time, I'm pretty across the research um, around what what needs to happen for mums internally and psychologically for them to make the best transition into their role as a mother. Um, and so for me, I wanted to capture all those three um, elements, I guess, in my book. So the book is very much conversationally written. It, it, how I've written it is how I talk. Um, there is a part of me on the inside that at times thinks, you know, my colleagues might pick it up and, and um, you know, think it's it's a bit too casual, but I wasn't writing it for my colleagues. I'm writing it for mums and I, I don't want it to be um, something that they open and think, oh, God, you know, I, I really need to, <laughs> I really need to have had a lot of sleep to make sense of this um, because that's just simply not our reality. Our reality is we need to read things in bite-sized chunks Um and although, although um, you know, mums are really intelligent people, it's not about that. It's just about wanting to make the material as easy as possible to understand because they're very time poor. And I also think we're very quick to criticise ourselves. So I, ha I really did not want any mum to pick up my book and read it and think, I just don't mean measure up. That's not the purpose of the book. Um, and um, so I had to be really uh, mindful of that as I wrote it. So the book covers everything from the experience of falling pregnant um, through to uh, being pregnant, through to the birth, um, through to your identity as a mum, what's shaped that identity, um, what you expect of your partner, um, all those kinds of things actually make up the experience of motherhood. And in particular, we know that um, how a mum thinks about herself when she's pregnant um, as she faces motherhood, how she thinks about her baby and how she thinks her relationship with her baby is and is going to be, they're called, we, we call that funnily enough, the motherhood constellation in my profession. Those three things make up the most important um, elements of how, uh, I guess, a woman is going to adjust to their experience of motherhood. And just to kind of explain that a little bit more, um, I've worked with lots of mums and I've got some stories um, of, um, com to be honest, they're combinations of my clients um, and that's to protect their confidentiality. Um, but certainly I've had clients who've had really, really horrific um, pregnancies in terms of just being so unwell, repeatedly hospitalised, um, and then they've I guess, had a baby who perhaps isn't sleeping very well and they come and, and they're saying things to me like, 
you know, maybe I'm not meant to be a mum. You know, my pregnancy was just so, so bad. Maybe it was the universe's way of saying I shouldn't be a mum and now I've got this baby who won't sleep. Maybe that's, again, more signs that I'm just not cut out for this or those kinds of things. And and they might sound like really crazy things for women to think, but um, the, the amount of times that women draw those kinds of conclusions um, that are obviously, you know, in some way they turn it into a negative reflection on themselves. Um, I guess I'm not astounded anymore because I've seen it so much, but this is what we're up against, how we interpret certain experiences, not being able to fall pregnant, for example, um, you know, uh, or taking a long time to fall pregnant or being sick during pregnancy or having a really traumatic birth, losing babies. Um, I even touch on the top topic of termination because I know that for women who do end up having a baby who've previously terminated a pregnancy, that can bring up a whole raft of issues. And if you don't understand those, then they can have an impact on how you bond with your baby and how you interpret your baby's behaviour. Um, so all these things are really, really important, um, I guess, signs and things to work through in order to adjust to motherhood the best. Now, most of us just bumble our way through and it just happens, which is really great um, when it, that's exactly how it is. Um, I wanted to, I guess, write this book so that it brought more of those things to people's conscious awareness so they had actually, um, I guess, that, that thing of forewarned is forearmed when you understand some of the the hiccups in your thinking and the unhelpful thinking that you might have, then you can do something about it. Um, so that's why I wrote the book. It, but it's equally as relevant for women who have had a baby as well. They just need to think a little retrospectively about their pregnancy and about their birth and how, again, it's shaped how they see themselves as a mother. Um, and as I said, it's all kind of written in a really easy, easy to read way. Um, and I guess from there, I'm in the process of establishing my first mother's retreat here in Perth. And I'm also toying with some dates in Melbourne as well for later in the year. And um, that retreat um, is going to be both a combination of some real time out for mums um, and also the opportunity to really um, very, uh, I guess, poignantly connect with other mothers. Um, it's amazing what happens when you share your stories in a really vulnerable space with one another. It creates an enormous bond between you and other women. And, and for me, that's also what I want to create because I want to create a scenario where women have some genuine go-to people in their life. Um, and um, what's a really interesting phenomenon, I guess, is that we can have really close friendships and we can have really close relationships with family members, but sometimes we still stop ourselves from being truly vulnerable in their presence. Um, and yet when you come to something like a, a group process or a retreat or a workshop, particularly if it's over a, a reasonable chunk of time, um, you actually learn how to be vulnerable with um, those people and they do become your go-to people because you've kind of <laughs> let them see You've, you've allowed them in um, and they've seen you warts and all. And so, you know, in three months' time when you're having a really crappy day, it's no issue at all for you to pick up the phone and you're crying on the phone and they just recognise you from your cry, mm -hmm. <laughs> not even from introducing yourself. And, and you can do that with people that you've gone through this experience with. So for me, the retreat is time out 
it's certainly helping women understand where they've come from in their lives to um, create the mothering experience that they have, that they're bringing to that retreat. It helps them work out the kind of mothering experience they want in the future and the kind of mum they want to be in the future. They get to um, shake off some of the crap that no longer serves them um, and they also get this experience of truly connecting with other mums and creating another the village for them to to go to so that's what I'm planning for the retreats that's the thing I mean I do say it takes a village to raise a child and and um you know there's only so much I guess you can get from family in a way that I think I think things have changed over the years I mean you've been in practice I think you said nearly 20 years social media wasn't really a thing then and I think we set Mm -hmm. some sort of comparison bar I mean Instagram itself I mean you have to have the best nursery with the latest things and you know everything looks pristine and white and I mean that's just the the nursery let alone you know all the expectations we have to have and how we dress Mm -hmm. them and all the the, I mean I don't think the um the pressure was there so high uh, when at least when my mother was a young mother and let alone the amount of I guess work that we have to do times have changed could you maybe touch on that a little bit just with what you've seen over your uh, course career absolutely Absolutely. And the, and the funny thing is, so um, I'm in my early 40s and my mum's in her early 70s and um, she's very proud of me, but she does have a bit of a giggle that um, there's even this conversation around mothering because her generation just got on and mothered. You know, they didn't think about it. They just did it and they didn't tie themselves up in not so much about Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right things? You know, Jane Doe next door is doing it that way. Maybe I should do it that way. Mm. You know, it just wasn't going on in her generation when she was parenting um, where it is very much now. And I think um, that is a bit of a gap in the market that I wanted to fill because my my experience hearing from mums being a mum and what I'm seeing going on is there's an enormous amount of information out there and there's really legitimate information but there's a whole bunch of to be honest crap as well and um, if you're really not very confident in who you are and as a mum or even just as a person then you're more likely to find yourself kind of bouncing from parenting that strategy to parenting strategy from this model to that model because you don't have a really solid sense of what works for you and what's right for you. And so you're quite um, susceptible, I guess, to thinking, oh, I should be doing it the way my next door neighbour is doing it. And social media has just really elevated that um, enormously. It's quite crazy. So I think um, as much as I've written a book, because I've had some people say to me, but you're just contributing because, you know, to more information, I guess my, my perspective is my book is more a, a book about how people can, how mums can get in touch with who they are and what's important to them. So it's far less about, you know, telling mums what they should be doing as opposed to helping them understand what um, what's best for them and their, their family and things. Um, so I do think we're parenting in a different world. And, and I guess the other thing is um, we might have really uh, good relationships with people, but I still think we all live in our own little homes and, and um, we don't, again, necessarily see each other when we're having a bad day. You know, we put our face on, we go and pick the kids up from school and we look like we've got our, our acts together and things. And yet I think in times gone by where we were far more of a community of mothers um, that you, because you were just in each other's pockets a heck of a lot 
lot more and and in each other's homes and personal spaces a lot more. You would actually have more awareness if your next door neighbour wasn't travelling so well and if she was, you know, screaming a bit more at the kids than normal because you'd probably hear it and see it. Um, Whereas now we are quite self-contained and whilst I do know some people and certainly my family, yeah, I go over to my family's house and spend time with them and they come to mind. It's a bit more orchestrated um, and which gives us all time to put on our best face um, and put our best foot forward, which isn't necessarily a genuine reflection of what's going on um, for you. So I think because we don't have the true village where where we really are parenting side by side with the extended family in and out of our homes and, and things that we just don't show those parts of ourselves and, and also therefore people don't see those parts of ourselves. Um, so I think they're the biggest differences that I've kind of observed over my career. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. No, and I love this book because, I mean, it really is what you said, going from, you know, the pregnant stage to birth. It's all about mm-hmm. the mother. I think there's so much projection on mm-hmm. how you should parent, how you should speak to the yes. child, focus on the child and how we should rear them, feed them, you know, all of this, but actually focusing on you and maybe dealing with mm-hmm. some old shit and, and yep. just really the vision, what you said, the vision you had for yourself of how you, there's not that much there. And, and I'm just no. here listening to you and, and putting that word conscious in there. It's so often that I sort of think to myself, there is no, there is no guide to parenting really. I mean, of course, there's so many out there, but there is no, there is no book that tells you what to do. You still have to be the person no. to say, it's all very learnt. It's not very innate. Yes. You know, maybe, yes. maybe birth is innate and birthing and breastfeeding is innate that the body just knows what to do for, for you know, for most people, not everybody. Yeah. But actually the how you would say it, how you should feel about how you said it, there's not much there. No, um, I mean, I, I I do things backwards, that's for sure. So I wrote the book and then when I went and got some help in terms of editing and graphic design and all that kind of stuff, um, that particular lady said, oh, let's do a bit of research and see what else is around in this particular, you know, mm-hmm. similar to yours. So, you know, that would have been smart to start with. No, um, but I so much better. Do your own thing. <laughs> do your own thing. Yeah, so I did I did do my own thing. But fortunately or unfortunately, depends how you look at it, no, there's not a lot of this stuff at all. And it's funny, a couple of bookshops are, are actually taking my book here in Perth. I'm, I'm really doing most of the marketing myself and selling direct to clients um, and people through my website. But um, certainly uh, some bookshops have shown interest. And, and the funny thing they say to me is most of them are actually putting it in the self-development section genre as opposed to the parenting genre because when they've read it they can really see that it isn't how to do how to parents not how to put your baby to sleep it's not how to feed them it's not when to start solids it's not how to tame toddler tantrums it's none of that it is very much a journey um, for mothers about themselves um, and that's exactly what I wanted it to be so it's really interesting and, and quite reassuring for me that when when people you know I guess bookshop owners and things read enormous amounts of books and they'd be across so many um, 
different uh, genres and things and when they've read it they're saying yes it best fits here um, that's really reassuring for me I mean I do then worry if people aren't walking to the self-development section of the bookshop that they're going to miss out on this opportunity because they're probably standing in front of the parenting and family section but um, by the same token I, I do think it really fits far more in the in the personal development and personal growth section because that's really what it's about and I know that the more grounded we all are as people in our kind of who we are and what we stand for then you know that just that's about that's resilience that's what um, I guess gives us the resilience Um, and I think you know the more resilient you are as a person then the more resilient you're going to be as a mother Mm -hmm. um, as well so yeah it sounds like they need to put it in both sections actually but yeah Yeah, that, so we that need to portray that to them as well to get more traffic. Um, yeah, I'd yeah. love for you to yeah. share, just because obviously you deal with a lot of people that are struggling, but I'd love for mm. you to share with the community maybe something personally for yourself where you where you struggled or professionally and, and what did you learn? Yeah, look, um, oh, I've had, as I said um, before, you know, I've had a pretty pretty good childhood and, and things and not too much drama to deal with. But, um, you know, I think I was thinking about this because you, you asked me to have a think about it beforehand. And to be honest, the two biggest challenges I think I've had in my life is, um, you know, going through a divorce, um, which was uh, the, the father of my eldest child, who's now 16, um, and that was 14 years ago. <laughs> um, and that was a really, really tough time because I think um, it, it's, it was very easy for me to move between um, this is what I think is best for, for my child at the little age he is and then wondering whether I was doing the right thing and is this my own stuff interfering with my decision-making around what's happening for my son um, and what I think is best for him and things. And it was even more complicated because I was actually working, doing a lot of family court work at the time mm. where all these issues were being addressed. So, um, you know, it was quite a, a challenging period of time. And um, as I moved through that, um, I was single for a couple of years and then met my husband and um, who I am still with now. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I guess what I learned is I've got a heck of a lot more strength than what I thought, but that strength was only even further strengthened by the support of, um, you know, someone really in my corner and my family um, and stuff. So it really, it always, I, I always really am mindful that um, people can't be the best people they can be and make the best decisions they can make if they don't have the right people supporting them. Um, and I see that time and again, particularly in the forensic world where, you know, I'm working with people and I, I ask them, tell me one person who's got your back no matter what and and got your back in a healthy kind of pro-social way, as we'd say, and most of them can't identify that person. So for me, um, it, I just continue to get reinforced about how important support is um, for anyone's well-being, particularly when you're going through a rough time. And I guess the other thing that's been more recently challenged is when I became um, a foster parent, um, having worked, um, I actually was employed by our Department for Child Protection for a period of time. And um, so I know that world really, really well and worked with lots and lots of children who'd been through some pretty awful stuff. Um, so I, I guess I brought a fair amount of knowledge and skill to the table and um, was still extremely challenged by the difficulties um, that our 
little one, I guess, brought to our family life. Um, and, um, you know, I, again, I learned um, just how steady I needed to be in order to be able to help settle them in our family life. Um, and if I was having um, not such a great day, then it really impacted. Um, and I think any mum knows this, you know, it, it seems like everyone else gets to have a bad day and you'll, you'll, you won't be, or you'll try not to be affected by it. But if a mum has a bad day, everything kind of falls apart. Or if she's sick, um, you know, and like I really, if the mother is sick. You yes, know. yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, and so I really, I mean, I really had all my own coping strategies test to the max. So all the things that I do in my day-to-day life and my week-to-week life just to kind of help with the busyness and, you know, help keep my, my emotions and my head on track were absolutely stretched to the limit. And so I guess what I learned is I do have a limit and when I reach that limit, I actually need to have quite a proper break. So whether it's a night away um, from kids and things like that and or even if it's a day skiving off because they're all in school, so skiving off work and having a day in my own home, like that's my fantasy. Um, that must be <laughs> a perfect word, skiving. I don't know, skiving. <laughs> I was skiving off. Um, like wagging, I think. Wagging. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wagging. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, yeah. So having a day at home in my own home where there's no husband Mental and health. children. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just a gift. So I learned that I really needed to do those things um, when I reached my own kind of, uh, I guess, breaking point. Um, I also learned though that I could get through that. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're probably the two most challenging times personally. Running businesses are always challenging. Um, you know, the economy in WA has um, had a bit of a blow with our mining and resources industry. We certainly had a boom and rode the wave for a while and, and now we've got a lot of people who work in those areas who are really, really struggling. Um, and so economically we're having a bit of a tough time and that translates into business. Um, but I still wouldn't have it any other way. I love being in business. I love having my private practices and things. So, and I'm sure yeah, you the Perth downs. beaches as well. Yeah, oh, Perth. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. We're we're a bit one-eyed here, though. <laughs> understand, understand. So, so I'd love to really share what drives you and what gets you up in the morning for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, um, again, I was, I was thinking about that and, and I alluded to it a little bit before. Um, I've always wanted to, or for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a psychologist and, and I think I really played a semi psychology role in my family and friendship systems when I was younger. And I was actually raised in the Salvation Army, which is a very giving organization, um, church, um, a lot of charity based work and, and things. So I think I kind of just grew up with this idea that, you know, everyone needs to um, help each other out. And certainly the more you're traveling well, the more of um, an obligation you have to help others um, in their times of need. And um, I always say that you can take, you know, the girl out of the Salvation Army, but, or no, what is it? The girl, the girl out of the church, but, you know, there's certain things that stay with me. Um, and that is really about helping others have a better life. And, and I've become clearer and clearer as time has passed that for me, um, 
you know, I get the most joy um, and this is by no means I'm not a martyr. I still go and get my nails done when I want to and I buy the clothes <laughs> I want to. So there's no kind of real massive self-sacrifice going on here. Um, I'm pretty balanced, I think. But, you know, I do get a lot of joy about um, helping people and I certainly get enormous buzz when I see the penny drop for people and, and that when that happens that their life changes. They just get such a different perspective on things that they can they can make different decisions and they can behave differently and stuff. So for me, that's a big part of, of what my professional purpose is about, is really about um, making people's lives, helping them make it easier for them. Um, as I said, taking the complication out of life by people really knowing who they are and appreciating who they are. Um, and then personally, I mean, I am a mum first and foremost. I'm a, I'm a busy career woman and business owner for sure, but um, I love being a mum even at times when I'm not so happy with being a mum um, and I think we can all relate to those times. Um, so, yeah, for me it's about giving my kids a really great childhood and, and a great doesn't mean a perfect, um, a great doesn't mean a, a without hardship or difficulty. Um, I think um, it's really important for children to to scrape their knees and get up and, and get on with life um, with a lot of smooches along the way. So, yeah, for me that's, that's the other part of my life. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky. I feel very, very fortunate in my life. I love that. I love that. I'd love you to share the best advice that you ever received in terms of maybe mothering or parenting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The absolute best um, advice I ever received was at the time I was going through, um, I guess, my divorce. And it really was about trusting myself. As I mentioned before, there was a lot of um, times where I was like, you know, when you, when a relate when a marriage ends or a significant relationship ends, you've got your own emotional stuff to kind of come to terms with. Um, and for me, being who I was and and things, I guess the 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 downside to being a psychologist is you often question yourself. Um, maybe more than others and maybe too much at times. So I would at times fall into the trap of, oh, you know, is this my own reaction to the breakup or or is this really what's best for my son? But I had an awful lot of support and I certainly, I was seeing a therapist at that time because I do practice what I preach and um, I guess what I was able to do was work out what belonged to me um, and my own reaction to a marriage ending um, and what really was a good, clear decision based on A, knowing my child, B, um, knowing what was practical and possible and doable. Um, and also, you know, I knew a lot about what the research was telling us about what was what was best for children in those kind of stages of their life and things. So um, for me, the best advice was, just trusting that I that I was coming from the, the best place with the best intent and with the knowledge of what was best for me and my son at the time. And that has carried me through with all my other kids in just really if the more I know my children, the more I know I can act in their best interests and make the best decisions um, on their behalf until they're old enough to make them themselves. 
Yeah, yeah. I think uh, pretty much in every episode, either advice that people share that they would share with new mums or that they've ever received is trust, trust your mother's instinct or your gut instinct. Yeah. You know, yeah. so we hear that time and time again. Um, could yeah. you please share some invaluable resources for the listeners, whether it be books or websites and things that you suggest on this topic that would be great for them to read up? Obviously, your book, I agree, would be one. Um, maybe <laughs> some things that have led to you either when you when you were. Um, when you were going through early motherhood, uh, the early motherhood sure. stages? Um, well, the funny thing is when I was going through early motherhood, well, particularly first-time motherhood, that was 16 years ago, I think the Bible back then was just simply what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect. In okay, the so maybe not that one. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what I, what I would recommend now, and I've read them and I've used them certainly more with my younger children, is um, Daniel Siegel is a, a psychiatrist in the US and he has written an enormous amount of stuff and it's around the, I guess, the neurobiology of relationships and particularly um, parent-child relationships and also looking at things like how stress affects our the wiring in our brain. Um, a whole bunch of different things, emotion regulation, um, how to de- help develop that in your child and, and also yourself. So he's written a number of books, but one that I really find very useful and I actually do a fair amount of um, speaking events at schools on these kind of principles is called Brain-Based Parenting. Um, and I think that's a really, really useful book. Um, just as a, not as a how-to by any means, but Mother Zen written by Jacinta Tynan is another book that I actually found really um, fantastic to read. Um, she's a journalist um, somewhere over on the East Coast. <laughs> that's how us Perth people refer to anyone across there. Um, and she had her, her first baby and wrote a blog about motherhood being easy. And um, that, of course, got a lot of uh, negative reactions and then she went on to explain herself and and um, I won't go into the explanation, but essentially she from that she wrote this book called Mother's End and she touches on so many parts of the whole motherhood journey and um, she gives her experience of it, which is really lovely to read um, and then also talks to experts in the area and offers some of their perspectives and some tips and things. So um, it's certainly not a manual, but I think it really gets women thinking about and reflecting on their own experiences experiences and what's important to them which as you can imagine having heard where I come from is I think is really valuable um and then another author and then another author that I think is really lovely is Pinky McKay and um I'll be upfront that Pinky McKay actually wrote the forward for my book um which I feel extremely privileged and humbled that she did that because she's quite a prolific author um consultant um in this area go-to person for the media um, and um, I, I actually approached Pinky to see if she'd read my book and write the forward because from my perspective, the books that she has written and that I've read come from what I would what we would call an attachment-based perspective in my profession, which is um, very different the, to what I guess Hollywood might portray attachment parenting as. They tend to kind of go all out and make it... Um, a little bit more left of centre than it actually is, but it's very much um, Pinky talks a lot about the relationship between mothers and their babies um, and certainly really gives the message that mothers have the wisdom within them. They just need to, need to get the layers of BS off the top of that wisdom and away from that wisdom to be able to connect to that wisdom. So um, she's written um, in particular Parenting by Heart, which is a really beautiful book. So though, I mean, there's lots of other ones that I could recommend, but um, they would be 
probably my top three that I think um, put women in the right space in their in their heads and their hearts um, to you know embark on the journey of parenting and motherhood. No, great advice. Thank you. And of course, one more question I'd love um, for you to share with the listeners is how can people best get in touch with you and find out more about your services and maybe some of the retreats? And of course, I'd love you to share your website and email address if you choose or anything else. Sure. Um, well, okay. So the, the website is theconsciousmother.com.au and that tends to have um, most of my information on there. So it's certainly uh, got a portal so people can purchase the book. Um, I've written about the program and once I settle on the retreat dates and venues and things, they will be put on there as well. Um, I'm available to speak um, and I'm doing some speaking in Perth, but I'm more than happy to um, speak anywhere really. Um, about lots of different topics and it lists the topics. My contact details are on there as well. Um, I, I've got, as I might have mentioned, you know, my private practices are very, very established. Um, they fall up under a different name. The Conscious Mother is actually a really new business for me. Um, and so, you know, if people can just bear with me while I bring myself up to speed and all my means of communication up to speed. Oh, but my no, mobile's like on the pets. four kids isn't enough. And uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but my mobile's on there, my email address is on there, and as I said, I'll be updating um, the information as kind of we set dates and things. Um, the other thing is I do have a Facebook page called The Conscious Mother, um, and again, all the um, general information, any blogs that I write. Um, I have a, a post that I put up quite regularly called Confessions of a Parenting Expert. Um, that seems to get a fair amount of um, interest and comment um, from people, so um, if you go to my Facebook page it, for that, you'll be able you'll be able to read how I completely stuff things up a lot of the time. Um, and um, I think as well, I mean, they're really the, the best ways to get a hold of me and, and that's what I'm focusing on. I believe we have an Instagram account. A colleague of mine who's doing work within the, in the Conscious Mother business for me has actually created an instant Instagram account called The Conscious Mother um, and we've got some things going up there but certainly what's by me is the website and the Facebook and that's how people will get in, in touch with me um, as I said the book can be best purchased through the website as well um, and you know if you do that let me just tell everyone that you'll be contributing to my 16 year old's pay because <laughs> gets paid to package all, all the books up and post them off for me. So that's his part-time job at the moment, um, which he's loving earning an income. So, yeah. Nice. Well, you make it super easy. They're all the conscious mother. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah. more so, thank yes. you so much for a wonderful episode. It's been, yeah, it's been great. You're down, you're down to earthedness, if I might be able to say that. Um, obviously, bringing yep. the work that you do so relatable to, to the listeners as well. Um, I've really loved it. And thank you, can't wait to share the episode. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I, um, I, it's just been great chatting to you. It's been really, really easy. And, um, yeah, thank you for allowing me to share my message. I appreciate it, Kaz. Very, very welcome. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for it to launch. Enjoy the rest of your day. Fantastic. You too. Thank Bye. you. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mum's the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.